Karim, how you doing? This has been a long time coming. I'm doing fine, Nate. Thank you. Good. Just Thanks, getting back uh, nice from uh, here. Yeah, just getting back from Vegas. You uh, sounds like you got it yourself a little bit of a runny nose and a cough from. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about the cough. <laughs> yeah, I got I got that in Brittany. You know, I'm, I'm my brother and I started a, a, a business together. And we had so I on my world tour between Germany, Morocco, and uh, Vegas. Uh, I had to stop by uh, Paris. So and we went to Brittany to Brest and uh, Lorient. Ren to go visit some stores, which is part of a uh, uh, our investment group in fashion, and um, and the weather. I underst- underestimated how cold it would be there, so I caught a little bit of a cold. But doing better now, and uh, Vegas did not help, even though it was fun to be there. Um, the trade show went well, but uh, I'll do my best during the podcast today. Yeah, well. I'll give you a uh, nice softballs to keep you uh, nice and healthy. Just kidding. You're not getting softballs. Might get a few. <laughs> so uh, I guess take me through uh, the, the, the trade show. How did it go? Uh, what did, what is, I heard uh, there was some lines of predators that are looking to be released maybe in 2024. Any insight on those? <laughs> well, uh, we have some uh, new, no new variations on, on our break use, you know, how we like to do things to this editions with different themes on the break use on the on our um, on the rush series on jump cues. We're introducing a new BK3 soon also on uh, BK4 sorry. Uh, we are uh, on inlay cues. Um, we have a couple new uh, 5K-ish uh, limited editions. You know the limited edition series that we develop on the Predator themes. Uh, Predator theme every two, three years we launch them. We did one <coughs> with the dragon. We did one <coughs> with the uh, tiger, lion tiger. Uh, we're doing one around the theme of the scorpion, which is pretty, pretty cool designs. Really weird points on that. We went a little bit more astra- abstract with that. And we scored a baloney on, and gold, gold inlays, but those are really brass and, and some steel, some copper uh, for those gold. And we have another concept I worked on with the team around the eagle. Uh, which is one of the predators, and for me it's a big one because you know it's a, a U.S. American symbol. Um, so I was pretty. Uh, so it was a fun design to work on, and actually I had two very, two very, uh, very different designs. One was the face of the eagle with this gold beak and stuff that was pretty in your face. It was more fun to design than the the open eagle, but the team picked the open eagle, so I may, I may keep. I kept the other two just for me, just in case. And on the lure of other designs that we're working on for 23, 24 launch. So that, that's a lot of fun. And we're working with our partners around the world, you know, making uh, cues, whether it's, uh, you know, we have some production in the US, we have some production in China still, a little bit in Japan. Actually, we do quite a bit of manufacturing in Japan now. Um, we're grew. Our production in Japan, we're growing our production in the States. I mean, you, you know that 100% of our Revo is made in uh, Beverly, Boston, right? which is north of Boston. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the team does an amazing job there. Oh. And we make some components in Texas, in Wisconsin, in Colorado, all over the States. And uh, between that, uh, now, you know, I'm in Spain every other month, every six weeks for our tables that are manufactured there. I'm going to Brazil at the end of July because of our slate that comes from Brazil. 
and uh, you know we have laminate for the tables comes from italy may all that to tell you that we have a small family business but we have this complex supply chain and with the problems around the world it's, it's hard now like if i work on a design usually on the queue for example i come up with a, we come up with a design with our design team maybe you have a theme i want to go after or somebody else on the team jessica or someone else, someone else and between the concept to market to have it in the hand of an end user it's about used to be about 18 months now we're two years two and a half years it's crazy so one of the things i'm working one of the things i'm working on is um just uh, you know it's, again, it's the first time i talk about that in a, in a podcast or uh, outside the the meeting room is i'm looking at opening another facility for manufacturing in florida not because of the availability of trees in florida or the uh, or because uh, it's the best weather to manufacture uh, wooden uh, butts but it's more because that's where the bulk of our team is right now um, the creatives and uh, the, some of our engineering is still there. I mean, Paul is still based in Boston. And a lot of the new generation, we grew quite a bit the team, and I don't want them to get disconnected from the product. I want them to be closer to manufacturing. So, you know, somebody asked me, hey, why don't you just open the facility in Wisconsin or somewhere else? And it will cost you less, it costs you this. It's not only about cost. You know, people are focused on other things, make money or just look at the cost. I think about the value it adds. And uh, for every team member uh, at Predator, but also for uh, our fans, uh, I'd like them, uh, I want to change the way we look at manufacture where somebody orders, let's say, a limited edition queue that's made in our factory, can come and check, check it out, look at the production process, come check out the, for the, the showroom. You know, let's say they know what design they want for the butt, but they're not so sure which shaft piece they're getting best. I can have one of our coaches, Tony Robles, or some of our other friends, uh, whether they're sponsored by Predator or not, uh, sometimes I pick Torsten Holman's brain, and he's a good friend, and then Mika, I get. So, um, have that in Jacksonville, so they, they have a show where they can test the product, film themselves play. I really want to change the experience, so I'm hoping we can have that open up in 24. Sure. Well, the experience, uh, I, I definitely want to touch on that a little bit more, but uh, I, I guess, Coming from Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin has a very unique um, environment, we'll say, around Q-makers, because there are so many Q-makers out of Wisconsin. Uh, you know, little guys, big guys, there are seemingly hundreds of them. So I think when you when you grow up in Wisconsin like I did, you're a little bit more insulated to the, the more production Q's side of things. Um, so I think growing up in Wisconsin, I really didn't get the backstory of what Predator is and how it how it came about. So for my for my personal interest, I would like to know a little bit more about not only the start of Predator, but like when you got involved with it. So do you want to take us through when you got involved with Predator and how it happened? Sure, I can do that. Um, I mean, before I talk about Predator, I'd say you should be proud of, uh, of your connection with Wisconsin. It's a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost where Q manufacturing was born in America. Right, I mean that for decades ago uh, with the Josh, the McDermott's, and, and all that little mafia group that were road players, passionate about the, the equipment, and and uh, all that. So Wisconsin is a big part of uh, American manufacturing, and, and that's important to respect that, to to cultivate that, 
And uh, I have several friends of mine who are filmmakers, and I love to go uh, to go visit them, eat some cheese with them. I still try to explain to them that France still makes better cheese. They don't make better cues there, but the cheese, I'm sorry, guys, France does. So, <laughs> so that I have I have this argument with Joe Pichard once in a while. And, uh, you know, check out our friends at uh, Brandon and just don't, Greg just don't say that uh, France has better beer than us. That, then, then we're going to nah, have, have a few friends uh, from Belgium that may argue that, right? Uh, no, but I'm talking France. <laughs> no, France on beer. No, they have good beers, but no, no, good no. Wine, wine is a different wine. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great uh, so the other thing I'd like to say before I jump into Predator on my French history and American history side, my Hong Kong adventure, is one thing that's very, very important that's at the heart of, um, of, of the DNA of billions and what makes us, I think, a more attractive sport from a technology performance standpoint, but also from an artistic, artistic and craft, uh, the, the sex appeal of the game is diversity. And having um, so many Q-makers is a great thing. Uh, helping Q-makers develop is very important. Um, people say, should I get a custom Q or, or that new Predator uh, that just came out? You know, it's about the same price. So it depends what you're looking for. Um, you know, that, that custom Q will be unique. And people are surprised to hear me say things like that. I say, well, I was expecting you to tell me just buy your predator cues. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you getting investing in those queues, uh, one of a kind cues, five of a kind is, is important and they have a certain identity. And I know a lot of those queue makers and they pour their heart in their in their craft. And the feel you're gonna ha have mixing, mixing with a predator shaft or not a brand shaft, it's just gonna be different. I mean, and I, I love the fact that people collect cues. Uh, like our production is very limited, you know, on our high-end cues, we never make more than 100 something of a given model besides break cues uh, and the black P3, let's say. But usually we keep production's life cycle of a product for about two years. The reason we do that, part of our commitment to to fans is, um, is to keep the value up of the product and make every product unique. If I listen to the consultants I had in the past on into Predator or the accountants or the, the finance guys, oh, no, 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 make it, uh, keep that model for 10 years, you'll make more money with it. <laughs> Again, this is not about making the most money. It's about creating value for the end user because, um, Nate, for example, you own several queues, right? So you don't have to tell me what brands, don't worry, but uh, you do own several queues. I know that for a fact. Uh more than more than I should. Let's put it that way. Okay, good. So, so and, and you have a relationship with Predator, for example, you bought a Predator, you know, a friend I bought a Predator many years ago, and you may buy another one. So, and you watch our tournaments and stuff. So I look at it from the basis of a relationship we develop with our fan or our customer over the long term. And if the customer doesn't see us add value, then they won't stay committed to the product. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have the best break unit. In the, in the world, we have the best performing shaft, but nonetheless, they could pick another guy. So, so as, as uh, a side note, I was, I was actually digging through my closet today, cleaning it out, and uh, guess what I found? Check this out. <laughs> the original uh, BK2. Predator BK2. This is, uh, yeah. I used this cue for, I think from the ages of 18, uh, actually probably like 16 or 17 to about 22. And I found it today in my, at the bottom of my closet in a box. That was a fun wow. find. Cool. Don't, don't lose it. 
keep it. No. Nope. Now oh, you need I, to find the. You need to try, need to go on eBay and try to find the BK one. Good luck, and then you you have the whole collection. I met uh, a young man who had the BK one, the two, the three. I never had the three. Just, I uh, no, it's pretty good. I, it was uh, the, three. the three was interesting because it was our first work with carbon. On the on the shaft. I did not know. So that. Uh, yeah, there was carbon tube inside on uh, wood on the outside, and we were trying to when we worked on the BK three was fun because we we started playing with composite butts. Uh, we're using uh, S glass, fiberglass, carbon butts, carbon shafts. We we tested speed, flexibility, deflection. Tried to figure out what, and we went back to wood because it was just a better product for the handle. And we're not quite ready to have um, the full shaft made of carbon, so we went with the hybrid where you had the carbon in the front of the BK3 and the wrapped around was was wood. So it was uh, it was a fun uh, adventure exercise. It was not cheap, also it was an expensive project. Uh, I had to tell them, guys, no, no, we're going to stop here. Now we need to move on to the next project. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the tough part of being the CEO. I said, yeah, tell my guys, you know, when you work with Paul, Paul is so passionate. He wants it to be perfect. I said, Paul, you never, I know you, Mr. Paul Costain. I know you invented using lock radio, uh, Revo Shab, but you're a perfectionist. <laughs> you need me there. Okay, okay, cool. No, where, where do you want to draw the line? Okay, let's define ultimate performance together. So we, we put everything aside, we pull a blank sheet of paper, and we agree on criteria. On that, that criteria, he stops. And then he goes back in his lab and works on the next generation. Because if not, you never launch a project, uh, product. Because you just always you always find a way to improve it. Mostly when you're as passionate and as skillful as, skillful as Paul Costain is. Uh, and some of our R&D person who before the same, whether it's Alan McCarty, Steve Titus, uh, uh, where the lure of, of talent at Predator and still have a, a lure of talent today. Now, I went on, I did not answer your question. I went for <laughs> office, I guess. How did so, you get involved with Predator? And uh, Let's start yeah. with Predator. So 1992, they built the first robot, Iron Willie, Steve Titus, and Alan McCarty. They, uh, Alan played, he was a strong one-pocket player, very good role player, too good sometimes. He had this cool little business called Player, cleaning kit accessory, whether it's like a, a leather burnisher, some talk, a small powder talk uh, bottle and, they, and cleaners for the shafts. And he was sending that on the road to dealers, stores, and playing pool. And one day he was playing the, this one pocket, uh, best one pocket, that's the way he tells me the story. And it's weird, every year, it's like, I tell him, this, the more you age, Alan, the, the better you used to be, you know? Because I remember the version of this story 20 years ago was different. <laughs> I still have breakfast with him once in a while. Never um, let back in the way of a good story. Yeah, yeah. He only has a bunch uh, from the old days, from Michigan. You know, he's from Michigan uh, initially. And, uh, and Titus, too. And Paul, too. I mean, Paul is like hardcore Massachusetts guy at Boston. And, you know, started his first business. He was 16, 17 years old and was born in a machine shop, grew up in a machine shop, about, all about precision. So... But, be, but Paul did not join the company until until after me, until uh, I uh, went and sat down with him, had a glass of wine, and told him about some of the challenges we had. But before that, so 92, Steve Allen, Allen realizes that he's changing shaft in the middle of a tournament. The tip falls off. He has a new shaft, and he cannot play. He's, he loves to play with spin. And has a tendency to use a lot of spin too much. He doesn't need to, but that, that's his style. Uh, he has got a nice, soft touch on the ball. But uh, as soon as you put English on the tip diameter is different, on the shape of the tip is different, 
then you lose you lose all of your references uh, reference points sorry so he met somebody introduced him to steve titus he tells steve hey you know there's difference between shafts i want to understand some play better others than others what can you do can, can could we do like golf can you know back in the old days in the uh, i think 80s early 90s they had iron baron the 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 robot uh, that was testing golf clubs and they uh, said can we have an iron baron of pool and you know iron really was born even though it was made out of 90 percent wood and 10 percent iron it was still called iron willy so they built the robot and and did a battery of tests for two years until 94 when they came up with the uh, with the 314 shafts and uh and started the company so in Clausen Custom Cues, uh, in Clausen, Michigan, sorry, hence the name of the company, Clausen Custom Cues, DBA, doing this assessment group. And they moved to Florida because QNCase at the time invested in the, in the company back in 95. And that, that worked for a while, but then they decided to part ways on Alan's mother, put more funding in the company in uh, between 95 and 96. And during that time, I was in France playing pool three, four hours uh, a day. My girlfriend said, well, when are you going to spend time with me? Well, I have to do my homework. Well, you don't do your homework at the pool hall. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But, but uh, anyway, I, I fell in love with the game. I was playing. I was sending, uh, I was in my Vespa carrying cues, and I was sending cues on the side and uh, running around France. And I was studying international business. You know, I did, um, I did a short trip in San Francisco back in uh, when I was 18 years old, found a summer job there. I loved it. I had like 500 bucks in my 400 bucks in my pocket, a bit less because I prepaid for the bed and breakfast, for the cheap bed and breakfast. I was going to school. I found this exchange program and found. I thought I found a job, but I didn't have to look for. The guy said, no, "I'm not going to look at you. Sorry, but I don't have a job for you." So I had to find a store, a job. I found it. Finally, found a job. I had horrible English. And uh, it was at First Step, which is just in, in downtown uh, San Francisco next to uh, uh, Union Square, a couple blocks from the biggest food locker in, in, uh, in San Francisco. And the store was awesome. It was second floor, just sneakers. And I had to fight to be allowed to sell. And, and I was the best sales guy they had. And customers would come back, send me emails. So the guys, hey, why don't you stay off your job? You're doing great. Your English is, is way better. And you don't dress to french now you're finally dressing up american style so that, that that's good finally you learn and my, my boss was a current american he was a super nice guy he taught me he taught me a lot and after that experience I said no no i want to go back to france i want to finish my my college degree and i just switched my uh, major to international business and part of that uh, i had to do an internship overseas again i knew i'm coming back to the us i want to study somewhere in the us i loved how people were open-minded. I love the culture of pool there. They're way better than me. I thought it was good in France. I was decent, but in the US, the level was was like, ooh, <laughs> it was a wake-up call. So it's I did like my internship in, yeah, well, yeah. No, that's a different <laughs> world we can talk. I have some Philippine story too. So uh, in 97, I did my internship at Predator. I came for my internship. We got along with everybody. Uh, the company was a startup with like five, six employees. And, it was fun. It was back in 97. I went to the, what was the trade show? Then? Yeah. Was it in Orlando or Vegas? I don't remember. But it was my first trade show experience. Predator offers me a job. So, you know, we want you to stay on staff. So, you know, guys, I want to finish my degree. However, Jacksonville has an awesome university called University of North Florida. I'd like to get my bachelor there. I get a scholarship. So I'll be cheap labor if you sponsor my, uh, 
my uh, bachelor, I'll work for cheap and just give me a room in one of the employees' uh, apartment and I'll be happy. And, you know, for, for me, it was a dream come true, right? I mean, I was going to the States. I mean, I was a hardcore entrepreneur since I was a kid because I work with a family business, right? And the family business went from doing well, we live in a nice house, to going to the low-income neighborhood, the east side of Paris ghettos. And that was difficult, but the way we were wired uh, with my mother and my grandmother as, as our coaches, you, you're born in the right country. You, my parents are from Morocco, and they say, Krim, this is a free education. You have free education in Morocco. It's a bit easier here. So be thankful and figure out a solution for, for your model. And uh, that's what we did. And that's what I did at Predator. And, and then after I came back in, uh, in uh, 1998, full-time, I got accepted at the university. I kicked ass with my degree in France in international business. All my, my best grade, I had like an A, the equivalent of an A plus on my presentation, which was about uh, billiards, the world of billiards and the economics of billiards. Uh, back in, uh, I presented my thesis in 98. So it was great. I was back uh, in Florida. The first game I played when I came to Florida during my internship, I remember, I forgot to tell you that was, uh, my first day at Predator was April 1st, actually. Fool's Day, April, April Fool's Day. And just before that, uh, I played my first game in the U.S. against Steve Miserak, went to visit his office. And that was an awesome experience, too. You know, that, that guy is a monster of charisma and, you know, I mean, I see his head, his, his hand is bigger than my face, right? <laughs> it was pretty cool. And, and I played perfect game against him. I uh, ended winning and he said, you know, he said, you play good finale, it's the best game of my life. I said, that happens a lot, Karim. You know, every time I see like some kid that shows up and he plays against me, yeah, yeah that just happens. He plays his best game because I'm serious. Right? But that, that, he, was, he was a cool guy. He was very inspiring. He made me love the industry on cues, on the game even more. So it was great. But, um, you know, so 98, the adventure starts. So that's when I started really a couple of years after the company was incorporated. And by the winter of 98, I realized that we're losing money because initially I was in marketing, I was in sales. I was not on the phone too, too much because my English was not good enough, but I got better, improved. So I worked in shipping, receiving, you know, my first day I was cutting wood, cleaning the floors, cleaning the toilets. It didn't matter. I wanted, I was part of Predator. That's all that mattered to me. And when I realized that we're losing money, and that that became more complicated, because I sit down with the with the president, and Alan, I said, "Listen, you know you're losing money." I said, no, no, we have money at the bank. So Alan, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it's not only the money at the bank on the bank account, because based on my forecast that you asked me to do, we have enough money only for one more payroll. So really, so and then we find out the bookkeeper we had at the time was embezzling money on stuff. So it was it was a, uh, a little bit of a small disaster. And I explained to him, he says, if you don't want to go bankrupt, we're going to have to change the way we're doing everything. So you have this young French Moroccan kid that's that's giving a hard time to this animatronic, charismatic 40-year-old, uh, 45, he was uh, 47, uh, a business owner. And, and I was, no, you, you have to change it. So what do you mean? So you have to change it. If not, you're not going to survive. And you talk to your partners, you talk to your mother, we, we need to, to turn the company around. So between 98, 99, 2000, we just, just by 99, we just, by the end of 99, we turn around the company, rehire, change the production also. And we're finally back on track. And uh, that was, uh, was a great, great adventure. So by 2000, we're running pretty smoothly. Smoothly, sorry. So that was the early days. Sorry, uh, sounds very long. <laughs> You're all good. Uh, so, th so this is you uh, 
this is you, I guess, working within the company as, I guess, I, whatever you can get a role for, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. So when, you go from being, being the intern, then uh, marketing, uh, then sales, then then I had to go back in manufacturing when a lot, I saw that we're losing money. I, I said, well, we need, we need to be a lot more efficient. So I ran the production for a year and a half on a couple of years. And it just changed, you know, our profitability went way up. We had to make staff changes. And, you know, I was like 22 years old uh, learning to do that. I mean, I fired my first guy, uh, the first person I ever fired, which was like the toughest, the toughest job I had to let that person go. It was easy because it was an obvious decision because the person was just not performing and he didn't seem happy. So the place was not the right place for him. Um, he was not the, the right person to position for us. And uh, so, but you know, you never forget uh, the first person you let go because you know, it's, it's a family and you need to work at the transition. So, and my boss didn't want to do it, so I had to do it <laughs> like that. And uh, and we did great. And that's when uh, Alan introduced me to to Paul Costain because uh, the company with our manufacturing skill set was not strong enough. The technology was great, the marketing was great, but our manufacturing know how needed some work. Uh, that was not a core competency. I had to turn it into a core competency uh, in order to to change the mindset. So two things I had to do. We need to turn manufacturing and design as a core competency. Design was okay, right? But the, but the manufacturing, marketing was okay. And the second thing that I need to change in the culture of the company is make it more uh, customer-focused and user-focused. Because they're thinking that their customer was the dealer, and I told them, no, the dealer is our partner. Our customer is the end user, is the player. It's a big difference. And I started to introduce the first year, in 99, I think, I introduced the concept of playing experience. We're not in the shafts on high-performance queue business. We're in a high-performance playing experience business. We need to think about the sound the queue makes, how the, the case, when they open the case, how the player feels when he pulls the queue, the reaction of all the people around. Uh, every hit, we need to look at the tip. The tip is so critical to the game. I learned that in 99, 2000. I didn't realize how important the tip was until I was a predator. And, and then I told them, Stop, don't talk to me about shots and cues anymore. I want to focus on experience and experience. And those were big fights, but that changed the focus on the company from being internal. And we're successful, Nate, because we're all pool players. So it was okay at the beginning because we understood what the pool players. But you know how I say it's important to keep two key pieces to success is the yin and the yang is you have to have that confidence with a name like Predator, right? <laughs> we have it. But you have to have humility too. You need to say, no, no, I, I don't know what the pool, how the pool player thinks after year two, year three. Let's, let's refresh on that, that thinking, that culture evolves uh, year after year. And uh, so we made those changes and 25 some years later, here we are. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you asked me the other day. Um, I did not become an owner of Predator until, so I met Paul, I, I convinced him to invest in the company, he helped me, he just, it was a sponge, I learned so much about manufacturing from Paul, it was awesome. I learned a lot from Alan about, about the game, about design, Steve, Steve Titus helped me a lot with engineering and connecting the, the, the engineer mindset to, to, the, to the game. Paul did that, plus the manufacturing, and, uh, and uh, we made an awesome team. So I'm glad he invested. On, he believed in my vision. You know, their goal was, hey, let's build this two, three million dollar company. On, you know, we're doing 800k. I think at the time we're losing money. When we were, I was walking the trade show, the, the other 
two brands were looking at us a little bit funny and making fun of us. Oh, these guys have no idea what they're doing. And uh, on me, it fed me, it fed my energy. So, oh, you, we have no idea. Let's see. You know, we'll see. But having that that humble mindset, but the confidence to go after taking a risk is that that kind of dichotomy or yin and yang is is important. And Paul believed in me on the on the team on the on the. Then it was just a matter of hiring the right the right talent. On, and then we reached three million in revenue, five, eight, ten, etc. We keep on growing. And uh, I focus on you know, on our players, on hiring the right people. Just have to find people who are smarter than me. People are not going to be afraid to challenge my thinking. And, uh, and that's what we did. Um, now we're close to 80 people spread in different around, around the world between manufacturing, design, engineering. Uh, the core uh, group is in the US. Uh, we have about close to 20 people in the Boston area, between engineering, manufacturing. Uh, Close to 40 people in, in Florida. We have a few people in Puerto Rico here with me. Uh, we have in our office in Germany for Predator Europe. We are, I think, Jessica has around six, seven people. I think they're going to be eight by the end of August. And then we have a Hong Kong, China office. Now I was based in Hong Kong for eight years, uh, where we have about uh, you know eight people, eight, eight to ten people. So it comes to about 80 worldwide, and uh, we keep on growing. And uh, so that gives you an idea. Does that answer your question, Nate? I don't know if uh, some of the people who are listening have yeah. any other questions, but I'm so here I, for I, that. There's, I, I would like to have the, um, when did you decide that you wanted to buy into the company and become an owner? So I did not decide to buy into the company and become an owner. I was graduating in the uh, end of 2001, and Alan knew I was going to graduate. And Alan Paul had a meeting and say, uh, we need to figure out a way to, and that's what they told me anyway, that we need to find a way to keep Karim. And um, I think at the time was making maybe 28K, 30K a year, you know. And the company could not afford to pay me more. And uh, I didn't care, you know, I was there to learn and build something cool that I'd be proud of. And I was learning so much. And they gave me so many opportunities, Nate. It's just like, it's, it's, what you learn at work, when I was a kid working with my mom when I was 10 years old and working with the guys at Predator, you cannot learn that stuff at school. You know, like it's, it's different. And uh, so to me, it was the value I was getting was like priceless. So they see I'm gra graduating and they ask me, hey, Karim, uh, I want you to say after a bachelor, what, what's, your, what's your plan? Well, I told them, some guys, I'm an entrepreneur at, at heart. I'm a designer. Alan disagrees on whether or not I'm a designer better than him or not. He thinks it's better <laughs> because on the cues, right? I say, Alan, not, on the queue design, you're better than me. When, the small ones on the making them bold it's me brother <laughs> but designing the business and stuff how we restructured the brands that that's what i loved you know at the time predator when i started was one shaft on the series of cues and I cre we created all these identities black throne icon uh, the sport side with the cue the, the cues we call sport that that my, my one of my favorite cues in the world my favorite cue in the world under predator umbrella uh one of my two favorite cues which is the, the P2 on the P3, right? The P3 is, is my baby in terms of design, making it simple, inspired by Porsche, Porsche design and stuff. So so design was my thing. And, and, and uh, that's yeah. my shooting cue. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the matte one. I'm playing and with the, the, uh, the black and gray one. Yeah, okay. So the, uh, yeah, the, the limited so, edition P3 cur uh, gray curly maple. That's the one that I'm Yeah, playing. that's beautiful. So what I like about your, your queue is that 
So it's not going to be as stiff as, as the, the painted P3s, which are all straight grade maple. So you can little bit, you're going to have a little bit more stiffness. So you're a little bit of, uh, yours will be, because of the curl, it will be a little softer, but you can really feel it. But to marry with the a Revo shaft is perfect because that, that, the Revo adds a lot of stiffness. So the, the curl is nice. What I love about your Q is like pure beauty coming off the natural wood. There's no inline in it. It's all, all design, it's pure performance, all about construction, engineering. And, uh, and and the beauty of the of the curly piece. So sometimes we had to, we were able to find hard hard curly, but it was hard. So a lot of the cues were made with uh, with a softer curly, but we had the ash core and the maple core that that helped uh, stiffen the cue and make sure it's stable over a thirty year, fifty year uh, uh, time time span. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. And on uh, me, I just like the black mat. Uh, the black mat with the carbon color because it's just counterintuitive. I mean, anybody who doesn't play pool, just his gravity is there. Oh, what? what is that? Oh, it's a pool stick. It's called the pool stick. You know, people don't play pool. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, well, it's a piece of art. Uh, so it's a stick of art with a lot of freaking performance in it. That's <laughs> why so we charge so much for it because it's a lot of engineering and uh, the craftsmanship and the colors. You know, the P3 colors, uh, Nate? Take hours of work because it has to go on the three axis uh, uh, inlay CNC machine. Same, same machine we use to cut the inlays, the pockets, and has to rotate as you're cutting the pockets. Super complicated. And making the metal part perfectly uh, accurate when we cut it so it's a perfect fit is super hard. And then we have to work between the chrome and the, on, the, on the finish without uh, scratching uh, the chrome and without. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. That's one of the reasons I love that design because it's so hard to make. <laughs> That's why you don't see so many copies of it. People copy all of our cues, uh, at least aesthetic copies inside their, their junk, but um, but you know they, they can't. But so it was fun. So let's just finish quick uh, on, on that story. Um, so I'm getting ready to graduate. They asked me what I want to do. Guys, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I'm, I want to design my next business. But don't worry, it's not going to be in billiards. My heart is with Predator for life. You know, just, I'm a lifer. And they said, well, what if we give you, because we cannot pay you much, which Kareem, you told us we cannot pay you much, 10% <coughs> of the company. So I said, well, yeah, okay, well, so we work out the contract. So I said, the next or two years for 10, and they give me 10%, well, 10% of the company. And then Paul invested more in the company. Paul Allen took a little bit of seat back and, and he said, well, Kareem, let's, let's make you a bigger owner. I became a 25% owner. And then eventually 49% owner on 50, 51, and, and then now 100% <coughs> owner in, in Predator. And and that, and that was cool. And, you know, I didn't really force any of that. It just happened. Uh, I forced at work. Uh, I'm a machine. I love work. Um, my wife, my kids, I tell them this, this is my passion. People would ask me, what do you do outside work? Well, it's not work. It's, it's, it's billiards, you know. And, I create, I invent, I design, I coach, I listen, I learn, uh, and, and it's cool. I mean, my, my friends, you know, I went back to school. So I graduated in 01, I went back to school when I was in Hong Kong. I did this like executive program, MBA. And, uh, and, the, and because I need a break, I need to, to be challenged differently. I know the industry very well. I built the China business. Now China is one of our biggest markets. One of our most challenging markets was Korea. So between 2000, when I was in Hong Kong between 2011, 2018, so we built all this. And towards the end, I needed a break. I was just a little corporate staff. I, didn't, I had issues with my uh, 
board of directors, whatever. So I said, you know, I need a break. I need to go back to school and, and relearn and defragment. You know, all the, in the old days, we had to defrag the PCs. Yeah. A little bit before my days. time, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're too young. You're smart ass. Uh, <laughs> so I had to defrag and relearn. And these guys were nuts. I mean, all the nuts. So you had like business owners. You had uh, executive VPs of $100 million company, several billion dollar company, all was the best school in one of the best schools in Asia in Hong Kong. And I was fortunate to be with amazing classmates who were challenging me all the time. But man, I challenged them big time. And they thought, ah, shit, for somebody who comes from billiards, you're, you're, you know your stuff. Say, yeah, what do you think? And, and then I tell them, you know, billiards is actually the biggest sport in the world. What are you talking about? What do you think is the biggest sport? Oh, soccer, football, right? Uh, for the Hong, uh, Hong Kong game. And uh, table tennis is big there and other games. But no, no, you have 220, 240 million people who play soccer every year, but uh, pool, uh, or billions in general, pool snooker carom, more than 300 million. So we are billion industry, an underrated stock. And that's after, so, you know, my major in, at school in Hong Kong was about, was uh, uh, innovation management. On my goal, I decided, you know, and, and then Paul and I, Paul was talking about taking semi-retirement kind of package and, and me buying him out and him still being involved in the company, he's still involved today. And I, and I told him, oh, you're buying me out, what's your goal? I want to do the unthinkable. Well, everything that people have been telling us, no, you cannot grow a Q company to the level we're in. You cannot get into improving the game, looking at uh, table engineering, chalk, tips, and so on and so forth. I love when people tell me, you cannot do this, you cannot do that, because I get to do it. I love the challenge. And rethinking the experience, you know, it's like uh, Apple had to work on the software, you know, for this phone here. The software, the chip was critical, and I had a similar approach to, to Billy's. And so, you know, while I was in Hong Kong, I was working on the, uh, on the World Ten Ball Championship. I was redesigning the tour because I launched my first uh, Ten Ball Tour, press my first Ten Ball Tour back in 2007, 2008. And it was not just before the, the crash, it fell apart. But, you know, as a true entrepreneur, so you, you learn from it, you crash and you come back up, pick back yourself up. And what I thought, I need to be more solid. We need to be bigger before we launch a proper tour. So because the, the, the cost is going to be several million dollars investment a year. So I need to figure out, I need to make sure we're all, my partners and I are on, on board. So in terms of equity, I'm the only owner, but my partners are my my employees, uh, employees, my team members, right? So because if they completely disagree with me and they're not on board, we're not doing the tour. And they knew it's going to be extra work for them on weekends and whatnot. And they say, well, Krim, what's your plan? I, I drew them, say, you're crazy, but <laughs> you've been crazy before you told us that that within five years, 70% of the shafts, high-performance shafts will be carbon sold in America and worldwide. And we're like rolling our eyes and here you go, you made that happen with, with our team. And so we'll believe you on the world tour. And uh, so we started with the World Ten Ball and partnered with CSI. We launched the US Pro Tour for Men. And, and I see like, I talked a little bit with uh, Jasmine Ocean. I said, Krim, I mean, here's what we can do with Woman Pool. And can you help? I said, well, why not? Why don't we partner together, build the, launch, launch the uh, a Pro Tour one Ten Ball. I mean, Ten Ball is the game of the, of the pros. Not nine ball, not eight ball, but ten ball is, and and uh, eight ball is the most uh, played game around the world. It helps us connect with the players. So let me sign a contract with WPA to bring back the World Eight Ball Championship to the US along on the nine foot table alongside a a, a open um, 
an American bar table championship on on seven foot. So I'm designing all this, right? I'm rethinking the the, and then I realized what I'm doing is that I'm working on the brand billiards. I'm, I'm working on the on the branding, the positioning, the look, what the future, the table of the future looks like. And again, that was that was about eight years ago, right? So I'm already designing on the table that I have in my head what the lighting should look like. I have an awesome lighting. I'm, I'm sitting sitting at my pool table here, and uh, with the arena light. So on the uh, on the interaction, the the personalities around the players. I learned from MMA and whatnot. And we so we designed that plan. To grow the sport, that would be a ten-year plan, and here we are today, uh, in a in a world where two years ago you barely had any tournaments, there was no pro tour to complain about. Now, now we have a pro tour. So when I hear pros complaining, I, I like it because they're complaining about something. There is a pro tour, and this year I think uh, the Pro Beard series that we launched uh, is paying out around two million dollars, more than two million. And I know it's big, over a million so, just in the U.S. Yeah, it's over a million just in the U.S. There is no, not many pro events uh, for women. We launched that pro, the pro tour in partnership with Jasmine Ocean. So now we have a, a bunch of uh, women events with 50K. I mean, it was unheard of. 50K had the event for women in, in before before what we did this year. And in Europe also. Now in Europe, you had nothing. Nick. People don't realize yeah. that. <coughs> no, so having a series of events unless like you, that. Unless you like making $4,000 through the Euro tour. <laughs> exactly. So and we sponsor the and we continue to sponsor the players, we continue to sponsor the tours. I mean I work we worked with Matron for twenty years. I think they do a great event, a great job with their events. Uh, I think um, this year they're gonna have some other uh, sponsor coming uh, coming on board, which is okay with us. We respect that, we understand. Uh, what what people don't understand, and I'm sure it was one of your questions, is he's prepared for getting into events, if you're prepared for getting into into uh, tables, cloth, bowls, they try, try to have it all. Well, those are people who don't understand how I think. They don't understand Predator. And I'm saying that with respect, maybe because I did not explain what Division was. But what do you, do you think Apple did not have, need to be in software and understand hardware? One of the things that my mom told me, right, when I was a teenager, and I thought I knew better than, than any sales guy in the store when I was working for her, because I thought, I pride myself, well, I'm one of the best people here. I had the best coach, my mother, right? And um, she said the equivalent in French of, <laughs> she thinks you want to to break the rules, so I do it your way. Yes, mom, I, I think there are a lot of things that I respect you for many, but well, son, before you decide to break the rules, you need to master them. Then you'll earn the respect, the right to do it, because when you're going to break them, is to recreate something even better. And that's what we're doing with the with the with our series, our portfolio on changing that experience. We're designing an experience for the pros and the fans. That's completely different. That's why you see a pro event next to an amateur event. That's why we announced last yesterday the partnership with the Predator Apex uh, Premier League seven foot table with CSI um, starting on August first. So where all the CSI championships and tournaments will be played on our table. It's not only about the equipment. It's about the vision that uh, Ozzy and I have for the way the game is going to be played in five years, right? The way people are going to interact with the games, the way you'll be able to do your commenting from your living room on the on the on the match or with the top league players out there, and that's what we're designing. And, and Ozzy understood that from since he's seen me work, he's seen the team work on my team too. And again, I mean, I'm, call me arrogant, but I do have the best team in, in the world of billiards, and play, hands down. I mean, look at our event team. It's five. It's a strong event team now. Five people. We didn't have an event team a year and a half ago, and they're working their ass off. 
I mean, it's a Gino JP. I think prevent it. Not, it's not a good thing. It's not healthy. It's just short term. They sleep two, three nights a day uh, per day during the event. Now we're changing that. We're strengthening the team step by step. But they do it because they believe, not because of the paycheck. They can make more money somewhere else. Yeah. So I, I think uh, one of the interesting things um, that I would like to touch on is you're as you're going through that, you're, you're labeling out a bunch of the partners that you decided to work with, right? So if, if you were looking at, uh, you know, your cues, um, Predator makes their own cues, obviously, but uh, you also partner with a lot of other cue companies across the in industry that uh, help you build your vision of this, as well as the balls. I mean, you guys are partnered with Aramith on that. Uh, you have partners for cloth, the tables. Uh, how do you actually choose who you work with in the industry? And how do you think it helps the, the broader vision of what Predator has, uh, and how does it help you reach those? Okay. So one of the things that changed in the company, on the you know we used to spend a lot of money on patents, even on legal defensive patents. What a waste of money! On we didn't have any money in it. I mean, we didn't have any money on that. Now we're building money because I learned all those cash because we learned all those lessons. So that cash we reinvest. Now every employee in the company knows how much profit we make. I think that's a good idea of how much I make. Because it's important. That's how you build trust, right? And um, and I want to show them, be accountable to them, because they choose to work at Predator, which means their family's income depends on, on my decisions among the our management team. And uh, one thing that I wanted to change is that sense of uh, you know everyone is our competition and everything is top secret, because you cannot do that and be ultra innovative. You know, the, the, the days of we have to hide the Coca-Cola recipe in, in a safe. It's, it's 80s mindset. Uh, I did the um, I did a couple uh, business education trips. In one was in Sweden, one was in Silicon Valley, uh, out of uh, Berkeley. And the two great insights. I mean, one great insight I had out of those two. And if you want to do innovation, you have to collaborate because things are going to move fast. So forget about trying to save protect your patents. We can develop strategic patents here and there, but don't waste too much time on it. Call your, what people would call your competitors, work with them. And that's what we've been doing. You know, I did our first special edition with Pesha, with Joe, and I got along. I mean, Alan and Jerry, I mean, his father just, I uh, didn't like each other. I said, no, 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 Joe, if you want to have a, a beer or a Coke or whatever, on chat and see how we can have some fun together just to prove them wrong. <laughs> so we proved them wrong. I mean, our first special edition together was a smash hit. And then I did the same thing with, um, with the Jacoby family, but they're, they're super open and I'm super excited. And I was happy to work, work be working with Wisconsin, the Wisconsin, Wisconsin Mafia, I called it, Q Mafia there. Because uh, I learned a lot from them, uh, helped them, we, you know. And, uh, and they did the same thing with Kaz, uh, Kaz Noriniki in Japan, a good friend of mine. And, my friend Pierluigi, I mean, he has been learning his mass cues at Seed, and it's great technology, great cues. Uh, same thing uh, with Pierluigi in Longoni, what, what an art, a family of artists in Italy, they make and they craft amazing cues. So I worked with all those guys, and uh, had, had, we had a blast. I learned a lot, they learned a lot from us, I think so. I mean, ask them if they learned something, I think they did. And we created a lot of value for each other. And uh, so that started with cues and, uh, and Unilock. And we sold Unilock on radio to manufacturers all around the world. Uh, people didn't realize that uh, Predator owned Unilock. But they know, so they say, hey, Krim, these guys need help around the joint, uh, which will make their queue play better. Okay, should we help them? So what kind of question is that? Is the Unilock brand? Yes, we need to make them. And somebody asked, 
we need to help them and need rework, uh, look, at, help them pick the right machine to to machine uh, uh, right CNC equipment to machine their joint and then use on return as a brand that we love, and um, it's very reliable equipment. And sometimes somebody comes sees me after the meeting, say, "Krim, you're helping your competition." I say, "Yes." I mean, that's a service. That's our social responsibility is to make the, the game better. And uh, I mean, Dan James is somebody I learned a lot from, from Josh Kears. And he was very open, insightful. Jim Statham at Samsara, I mean, he was as open as me, actually, I think. Uh, and we learned a lot from, from those guys and we exchanged ideas. So the, the, the Q community actually is more open than most people think, Nate. And uh, some of the bigger companies are more, you know, they just hide. Uh, me, I, I don't care. I don't have much. And I love, I love competition. So the better they get, the better I get. And if uh, they pass us, so be it. They deserve it. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. But so, you know, just, just in case I wasn't here, I'm ultra competitive. <laughs> I'm a, team, a huge <laughs> team player. I love team sports. I fell in love with leadership uh, when I played the handball. It's, it's a European game, handball, it's in German. Similar to a basket, uh, basketball court, but with two small goalies. It's played indoor, very aggressive, very, very fast. The strong teamwork is very critical as similar to basketball. And that's how I grew, developed my uh, kind of team leadership skills there uh, back when I was... Uh, uh, 11, 12 years old. It was a lot of fun, and um, and then going to events. Same thing. You know, I want to work with people that that are open, that are going to be aggressive. You know, uh, Sam at uh, in Spain. I was thinking about the table. Now a few a couple of years ago, so I talked to Danny Sanchez and said, the best carom table in the world is made by Sam." Karim, people don't know that because they don't have a marketing budget on the table division. Even though that was the first division of the factory is not the main profit generator. Uh, it's just the father is an engineer and he loves it. And he loves the three cushion on, you know, and that's you know, he start the company with making tables. So I love the story. I meet them a couple of times. I, I really like, I love not only the culture and the family, how the family, the whole family works in the factory, in the business, how they get along, but they're open with each other, very direct, which I liked, very Northern Spain type of culture. Uh, and uh, they had amazing equipment. And uh, when they tell me, uh, Mi casa es tu casa, Karim, that it's incredible, you know, for, it's, it's cool. It's, it's my home now. So they let me do uh, what I want. I can challenge them on stuff. And, and the foundation, the, the pool tables were okay, but nothing compared to the current tables. The current tables were amazing. And pool, because they never looked at pool as, as a, a game for pros. So I changed that. Uh, with our team, with Paul, with Jay, and you know, I picked Ernesto and Oscar Dominguez brain, and and, uh, and Ozzy is a good player too on the, the CSI group, you know, which we chant, and obviously we have a lot of professional players, right? So I spent a lot of time with the pros uh, on the table, the entry of the pocket itself, but not designing a table only for the pros, Nate, but designing a table to meet my goal long-term. You know, that, that vision we have of having more fun watching pool, so that was balancing those your different partners' goals and, and needs in the design of this table. That's why we made the pocket smaller at four and a quarter inch, but the, the shelf was not as deep as some other brands that are tough. Um, but think about the look and feel, you know, because it's one thing to make a good table. And you have several good manufacturers. I mean, I own a few diamond tables. I think they make a very good table. Uh, I own a Gabriel's table. They make a good table. I own several Brunswick tables. They make very good tables also. And uh, presence is to be a good friend of mine. 
and uh, Antonio in, in Carino in, in Portugal, they're not well known worldwide, but they make very good table. And I've seen a couple of nice manufactured, nice tables manufactured in China too, uh, that are pretty good. I mean, Rassen makes a good table. So it's not about making only good tables, several people can do that. For me, it's creating the best playing experience again. So it starts with the foundation, the frame of the table, the sound everything's gonna make, the, the way the table feels when you touch it, how steady the table is going to be event after event, and on the, how tested the table is going to be on the road. And you put it in a container, let it bang it. So before we, <coughs> before we commercialize our table, we we launched the tour. We played in the in the. And I know I knew I knew I was going to get my, I was going to get beat up. Not only the table, but me. And uh, on the pros, and I say, "Criminal, you touch over the table." I say, "Okay, of course." So they tell me, tell me, on, and you have all these players that have been for thirty years that. Well, this is this is an interesting thing, right? Because uh, if you go back to you, you you know, Predator took a little bit of heat, especially at the uh, the vet, the Diamond Las Vegas Open, um, and you know, it's different the, times. Alpha, the Alpha Las Vegas Open, the Diamond Las Vegas Open oh, yeah, was yeah, last sorry. September. Uh, we did catch sorry, heat, not sorry. for the same reason. I think the Diamond played <laughs> yeah, well. Las Vegas. Uh, the Alpha Las Vegas Open uh, with our friend uh, Esteban that uh, helped create that event or reinvent that event, and we had issues with <laughs> with some of the tables. Toward the center of the slate, sure. Which the um, center was bowed on that. Yeah. So take, I guess, take us through um, because not only are you willing to, you know, throw out cloth, balls, tables, lights, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you're you're willing to 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 grow as you put them out there. So take us through not only some of the the negatives that um, you've had to change, but why why you have launched them at this point and continue to grow with them. <coughs> Can you repeat the question? Sorry. So uh, you, you've you've had you've released a ton. Of, basically, you've released all of the equipment necessary to run this tour, uh, yeah. and you know, some uh, some of the uh, the critiques might be that the the tables, the cloth, the balls may not have been ready for the launch date. They may have not have gone through enough testing. Uh, can you take us through how predators continuously trying to, I guess, create the perfect playing conditions for all of these events? Well, the, the the table get plenty of testing. Uh, if not, we we'll not put them in a in an event. You know, the first event we we staged with our table was the World Handball Championship organized by Match from last year, and went fine. We had some issues in Arizona uh, with the with the slate, which we took care of. So we made some design change, a lot of design changes already last summer. But to implement those design changes, it took a few months. Uh, the tables in Austria during the World Junior Championship on the Austria Open, men and women last October, the tables played perfect, uh, pretty perfect. And then after, you know, we started traveling, moving around, and the, the difference was the, the setup crew was different. The amount of stress the, the tables got on the road was, was also higher. And uh, the ones in Vegas, uh, the environment was different. The timing we had to set up the table was not adequate. And we were understaffed, so it was like perfect storm, thick carpets, and a lot of things there. But at the end of the day, not blaming anybody but me, uh, I'd say my biggest takeaway from that event um, was having the right training in place and the right resources. So we should have had three times the number of people setting up the table, and we should have designed the table not follow what the the, the common sense approach which is it has to be the best table. That's the wrong, the best in class. On that, that was a mistake I fell in. Usually I don't fall in that trap. So 
best in class is not enough. Is you need to make this table the best. You need to rethink it. Uh, forget about tradition. <coughs> I mean, embrace and respect heritage, but don't focus on tradition and uh, innovate. So we changed the lobbying system in the center to make it e e easier. So it needs to be easy proof. And that's, again, what the issues we had in Arizona, I think you were there last year, and uh, the issues we had in Vegas is that you don't you didn't have a center lobbying system. Even though this, the tables left, they're perfect. They're stressed. We pushed during transport. We pushed too much the center of the, of the slates. So we put pressure in it, which created kind of a bow effect on the slate. So I had to work at night with uh, with Ernesto, and he had to you know bring them down and drill them. And Ernesto said, "Well, Krim, this is on every brand of table." I say, "Well, Ernesto, understand this on every brand." And I didn't know that. He said, well, "You don't know that because people don't know what the real art of being a mechanic is." And I tell him, "Well, this should be a, a way." So I tell him about what we've been working on in a few months. So, yeah, that will take care of the problem. Uh, when are you going to have those tables? Well, unfortunately, uh, you can see I don't have them in Vegas, so those, those tables will be used in Germany and in Canada. So we have the new new generation there. Uh, that's actually the result is is a patent I'm applying with uh, for, so applying for uh, for that technology that we have. Most likely, it will be copied, and I'm glad it is. I hope it is because all all table manufacturers should use something similar because we need to make the life of table mechanics uh, easier. And if you want to see more tables in selling more rooms, it needs to be easier to be a good table mechanic. And the, us as, as engineers and designers of product have to put more effort into that. So that's the that's what we did. And the tables played perfect in Germany last week, mate. So that's the good news. Yeah. I I mean I played uh, I've played two of these events. Uh I played the the Michigan Open last year and I played the the Wisconsin Open this year. I thought the yeah. I thought the, the Wisconsin tables played about as good as they can play i, I didn't have yeah, any, thanks I, I played three i played three matches you know two hours and i can't think of a single ball that didn't go where it was supposed to well i mean besides yeah. the fact that you know the rails are in the spots where the pockets should be <laughs> but uh that seems to only affect me so that's kind of weird i don't know if i can help you with that man get a very low deflection <laughs> chef that would help you it's upset or this will go straight <coughs> sorry about the cough guys so the uh and, and it's important so now we're launching the tables we're getting our first table container of tables we can sell all the tables have this new uh, true role technology that uh, we're launching we're launching a commercial in two weeks so people can see the inside of the table and they're cooler there's the lights uh which i need to i'm pretty cool to see how oh, that design is really cool it's beautiful but for me more than the design is how it's engineered how solid the, the table plays and uh you know how much people are gonna enjoy playing on them over and over and hopefully winning. So I'm looking forward to our next event in Canada, which is the 16th of um, August to the 20th in Edmonton, Alberta. It's the first major tournament in the history of Canada, I believe. 50K added on the men's side and 50K added on the women's side. And um, our CSI has done a great job helping, up, helping us create that event. Uh, Grant, Q Sports Live 2 on the, all of our sponsors. The next stop uh, is not a stop. It's going to be Women World Handball Championship in Austria, and uh, World Teams Championship, which is where teams uh, of of three playing ten ball, uh, two men and a woman in each team, and you're going to have twenty three countries represented. That's going to be October, September sixth in Austria, um, and then the next stop is going to be uh, the Michigan, the Cybrids.com Michigan Open. On September, around the 26th, 6th of September, I think. I think it's the 26th. 
Yeah, uh, so the men division or women division, both, I mean, I think both are 50 cages. Yeah. Then after we're going to Ohio, and all these events are going to be played on Predator for the 7-foot league tournament, and 9-foot will be the, the Predator Apex table also uh, um, uh, for the pro, pro side. And finally, we'll be here uh, in the old town of San Juan, New Hope, in Puerto Rico from uh, November 15th to November 22nd. Now, that's going to be World Junior Championship. It's going to be Medaya Light. Uh, it's, a, it's a beer. So, you know, it's like the Corona beer of the, of the Caribbean. It's Medaya Light Woman Puerto Rico Open. Medaya Light uh, Puerto Rico Open for the men's, on the men's side. We're going to have a amateur on the league championship at the same time. Uh, eight ball, uh, ten ball, nine ball teams on singles on 40 uh, seven-foot tables. <coughs> on, on the 20 um, and also the last event of that week, not the least, just after the juniors, the World Junior Championship, which I love the World Junior Championship. It's going to be the World Eight Bowl Championship. Uh, we're bringing back to life, uh, I think the prize money is around 200K or whatever for that event. Um, so it, it's it's awesome. You, know, you have in the US two World Championships, 10 Bowl, 8 Bowl, uh, and uh, five World Championships, I think, were organized this year, right? With the woman 10 ball, the men 10 ball, the men 8 ball, the world junior, yeah, the woman I said, and the world junior championship and the world teams championship. So, five now on the Caram side, we have the world cups uh, that we're reviving. We're reviving Vegas, they haven't had the Las Vegas Concussion World Cup in, in two decades, so we're gonna have that for the next three years, uh, every year. And next year, I'm looking at the wheelchair, so I'm working. Uh, I think I saw Fred that was on, uh, yeah, on the yeah, chat Fred here, was but... in here earlier. Yeah, he was here earlier. So I'm uh, talking to the WP about uh, us hosting the, the World Wheelchair Championship. And I'd like to have that consistently every year um, in, you know, in Europe, in the US, to kind of rotate with the locations. So, and we have other events in mind that will be building up. But the tours, the both series are doing fantastic. Um, the numbers are through the roof. You know, I send reports to all of our sponsors. Things I've been asking from events that are sponsored that never got, I do, we do for our partners. And they respect that, they appreciate that. Mostly when we're bringing sponsors from outside the industry, and I say, hey, where are your reports? So we send them the reports. Oh, wow. Well, you said, Krim, that billiards was, billiards was great, or we'll get great return investment. But I guess you're right. So we get the taste for it, and they love it. So how many, how many events do you think uh, Predator is now responsible for as far as the organizational side? Throughout the throughout the season, so would you call Michigan one event or two events? The men and women are two, absolutely two, two. Okay, so separating men and women events. So not the, the the league side. The the amateurs were partners with CSI. We have them not only with the table, sometimes more, like in Puerto Rico. Uh, we did some fundraising to help finance the the amateur events. So I hope there are a lot of the CSI league members are going to come here. I'd like I'd like Puerto Rico to be their second Las Vegas. But more family-oriented, family vacation while playing pool on blue sky, on uh, nice beaches, awesome people, salsa music, on great food. And um, so the events we're organizing ourselves is around between 25 and 30, I'd say, a year. 25, right? I mean, it's, it's out, out, of, out of every pro, any promoter out there, it's the most money paid out. Uh, yeah, we're not year. talking like fifty thousand dollar prize purses for these. Like usually, usually it's fifty thousand for first place in most of these. 
So we're yeah, talking, yeah, yeah. we're talking probably close to uh, by the end of it. You think 40, 40 million, something like that, given out. So now we're about two million dollars total for this year. We broke that. Next year will be at three million uh, in payouts. That's my my forecast. I think within the next five years, you know, it would be nice to hit the eight to ten million dollars in prize money. And uh, if other promoters do follow uh, follow our lead. Uh, you'll see them grow too. Uh, since we organized the World 10 Bowl and, and some of the Opens, uh, I've seen people, uh, other promoters, getting more involved, trying to organize more events, you know, and I'm going to do this and that. And that's kind of cool. Uh, that's good. That's great for the sport. And we need more promoters organizing events, whether it's 9 Bowl, 10, uh, 10 Bowl, 8 Bowl. I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's, but you need promoters with their own style, their own personality, and, and, uh, and show them. I mean, one of my favorite events is the Moscone Cup. And I think it's a cool event uh, with its style and stuff. I mean, it's, it, and every event is, is different. I mean, you need the diversity. So take and us the model through. is different. And it's, I mean, just one thing is that the model is different because um, I think some of these events are pay-per-view, like uh, the International Open. Well, that's good. No, I think the Derby. Uh, Derby is a fun event that Diamond organizes. And the... Um, some of the events are um, subscription based in order to be able to watch them like the euro tour and um and our events are just free access you can watch live on youtube and on on uh beer tv uh which was launched last summer and uh, you can watch them on a different platform we put some matches on facebook too because we want to grow the beard population it's about making money we don't make money on events i'm not planning to make money on events uh we make our economic model is to make money on, on products if we don't make money then we become irrelevant and don't exist anymore <coughs> but we invest all the money we make on tables and cloth and bowls all that goes back in the, in the, in the billiards and we're designing a business a business model that's sustainable and that's important to do that because you know we get hurt a lot of the pro players get hurt by the things like without mentioning in the hockey IPT, for example, uh, everybody thought it was going to save the world, and uh, you know, million dollar, half million dollar event, and and, uh, and and after nine months, it just disappears. Or twelve months, well, I don't remember exactly how many months they they, they lasted. But again, that was a model that was not sustainable. Uh, matchroom business model is good. They've been doing events for a long time. Uh, they they're under economic pressure to make money on events, and all that drives some decisions. But their production is quality, quality is fantastic on that. You know, they do what they do. But for us, for me, to grow the sport, we have to have free access. We need to diffuse the sport more around the world. And there's no better game for me than the game of the pros to do so. Ten ball, nine ball for the juniors. And some of the other opens we're going to create will be nine ball too. On the, uh, because you know, that's awesome. The first game I played was nine ball. Actually, ten, eight ball first, then nine ball. And and then ten ball, I didn't play ten ball until later when I uh, had better cue ball control. And, understood patterns on the, around the table better. And then finally, uh, eight ball. I mean, I love eight ball because it's the most played game in the world. Snooker players understand eight ball. Chinese uh, billiard players understand eight ball. So that's, that, and that's why we're organizing the world eight ball. So to connect fans, new fans to, to our sports that we love. I think uh, uh, the real, I, I want to say the real nor, uh, basically asked, why don't you stream to Twitch? Is Are there any sort of... Um different platforms that you are interested in potentially streaming to in the future to try to open up the yeah, audience yeah. that is going to get exposed to it yes yes so we're, we're looking at twitch the team is uh 
is doing a lot of R&D research and development uh, to figure out uh, how to integrate which platform. I mean, we have a lot way, uh, a long way to go, Nate. I mean, the our website still needs a lot of work. Um, so structurally, the prize money guaranteeing that was my first priority with uh, the equipment. Um, one of the reasons we're making on tables, on cloth, is that we wanted the flexibility to change things we wanted, right? And that, that's easier. Asking a manufacturer who's kind of a sponsor of an event to change this and that, say, well, yeah, sure, I can deliver the tables in nine, nine months. Correct. That doesn't work for us. Now we need to move fast. We need for innovation, that's important. The cloth, for example, we're changing the density of the cloth to slow down the ball based on the feedback of the pro. That's not a cloth, that's a version of our cloth we're not going to use for beard rooms because what people, a lot of people don't realize is that what you need for a pro event, where you have pretty much new cloth every event, at least for us, right? Um, is different than what than the ideal cloth in, in the beard club or at home. Actually, at home, I'd argue that in something a little different than the beard club as far as what the priorities are. So that's why we make our own product. That's why we want to bring in everything in our lab a little bit, at, you know, Apple style, I guess. And um, and some of our partners, some of our sponsors start to understand that. I mean, I had discussions with Q-makers, a um, couple of Q-brands that will be joining the tour, sponsoring the uh, the series and before they said they're skeptical but say cream actually I, i'm cool I, I want to sponsor can, can you send me a package can I, I want to be part of what you're doing so that was good man that means that people are finally starting to see it's not about getting market share whatever it's it's about growing the sport building the brands and, and whatnot and can we i mean masato was the first one so well, i love it sign me up say so, well here is what no Karim, don't go on in a long speech i understand i know you very well uh we want part of it just have your team contact my team and show us how we can create value for the series for you and how what assets you can give us to help create value for the company brand. And that was fun. That's a collaboration. Same thing with my uh, with Esteban at Alpha. The guys at Cybers.com were picking their brain on what they want to see improved. It's not a regular sponsor, re-sponsorship relationship. It is, those are partners. And uh, Nate's like the players. The players are partners like sponsors. They pay their... They pay their entry fee on their entry fees part of the prize money. They pay for their hotel. They pay for their trip. We have to respect them as partners. They're not tools. There's the stars of the show, and uh, there are partners. There are some of our sponsors. Now, doesn't mean we're going to do everything a pro says. Like, hey, hey these events should be no sets, no shootout. Just make it race to twenty. Uh, race to twenty, then we'll be back to where we were twenty years ago with the sport growing, uh, slowing down, dying like this, rather than. The skyrocket numbers I'm seeing in the last nine months—it's impressive, and that's going to allow us to raise. That's why I'm confident we're going to—it's going to be a lot more money in the pro tour, and we're going to be able to develop junior programs, some stimulant woman pool, and finally work on putting more pool tables in the in the boys and girls club around America. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a sponsor of a boys and girls club with my wife and my kids in Puerto Rico on in Northeast Florida. And so I love what those guys do at the at those clubs and because also I benefited of those clubs when I when I was a kid in France and uh, and in school so so I'm confident that now we're we're changing the tide is changing the timing is perfect and uh and the, the model is 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 pretty good so you'll see us grow pretty quickly and uh, strongly and hopefully the fans uh, enjoy enjoy the matches as much as I do so uh probably got to get you out of here uh pretty quickly so i'll I'll, uh i'll ask you this one question on the way out and of course we could we could sit here and probably talk for you know another three hours on stuff but uh what what is your vision for five years and ten years what are you hoping to see 
with not only Predator Group, but the industry as a whole? Um, five years to 10 years. Um, this, is, this is difficult. It's simple because uh, I mean, for me, the next five years is a highway. Uh, and and, and from what I see is a proper pro tour, right? And th that pro tour will be uh, for, for the Probiot series with a, a loom mainly sponsors from outside the industry with a prize money of a few million dollars for the men's side and a couple million dollars also for the women's side independently and and uh, some cool caram events in, uh, in there. A strong, steady junior world championship with a series of events for juniors around the US, around Europe and around, um, around Asia. So there's a funnel that where we build up the, the future pros and the future consumers uh, of billions in general, not, not of products necessarily. I see a strong wheelchair event that happens every every year. I see us being in a better position in five years to apply to make pool uh, uh, an Olympic sport because we have the wheelchair, we're solid, we have juniors, we're able to 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 engage kids on uh, Snapchat, on, on TikTok, or whatever the future TikTok or Twitch on the future Snapchat in five, 10 years, because all that's going to evolve. But we'll have all those assets in place, a great marketing platform to 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 market the sport. And it's going to be so great that's going to attract other promoters that will create their own build events. Uh, maybe they'll come from boxing, from F1, different countries, whether it's uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, China, or Spain or France, or US or Canada. I mean, Mexico, it doesn't really matter. But make the sport more attractive and get fresh ideas in, a more fresh funding also. So that's what I see. I see us grow steadily over the next few years. And, you know, and please remember who's saying that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm me, I'm Karim. It's not like I'm a manager for this or that company, whether it's a Q company or a promotion company. I'm, I own, that, that's my investment. My investments for my family are in billions. I have a couple other companies, uh, some investments in other areas, but it's called 80% of my investments are in billions. So I, uh, what's the, what's the saying? You know, I, I talk, but let's see if I walk the walk. Well, I try to walk the walk and I'm not perfect, but I do try to walk the walk and I'm investing in what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So and I hope I can help you grow, get more exposure and you help us grow and uh, so on and so forth. For a pro in simple words, I'd say that my goal for pro, my, uh, some of my favorite pro players out there, whether they're predator or non-predator players, is that when they come to me in five years, I'm telling you, six years. I, can, I want to remain a predator on the predator pro team. I love what you've done with the sport. I love your equipment. It makes me a better player. But I cannot wear the patch anymore because that spot is worth a million dollars a year that I'm getting from Coca-Cola or whatever. And, uh, but I'll promote predator on, uh, on my website. I promote Predator on my QKs, but that spot on my chest is worth a meal, and uh, and that'll be great, mate. That means we get people's attention outside billions, and that not only we have 300 million people who play, more than 300 million people who play billions, but we're getting the corresponding funding to that uh, of people that are investing in the sport and sponsoring the sport. So that's that's my vision. That's uh, and that will mean also bigger leagues, a BC, a bigger CSI leagues, a bigger APA, and all the other leagues in the US. And I'm going to be hard at work to make that happen with our whole team uh, around the world and all of our partners. And everybody's working hard because they truly believe in that vision. I just, you know, I, 
think we built a pretty successful business in Predator and, and uh, we're good designers, we're smart with uh, investments and, and we're gonna keep at it. Well, I, I think if you look back from five years from uh, now and we would have never expected to be this far and I think uh, at least the average consumer. So uh, between all the work that's getting put into this industry, it's it's looking bright for the first time in a, in quite a while. And I'm, I'm excited to sure. see it grow and I'm excited to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, keep up the great work with Predator and I'm really excited to see what the future holds. Thanks, Nate. And uh, sorry for the long, you know, we've talked so many ideas in the past of things uh, you'd like to hear about on the, on the podcast that I went a little bit long, but you know, you can get me on board uh, anytime you want. Uh, whether you talk about events, about kids, about uh, about manufacturing, a- a- any of that, and, uh, and please keep us keep me accountable. Keep us accountable when you have people come in on podcasts. Sometimes I hear things. You know, I know the industry pretty well. You know, they're not true or whatever. Whether people talk about dates and conflicts or or where a certain product is made and all that. Sometimes I hear things I roll my eyes, but. So please uh, keep people accountable for what they say. I know it's not easy to be on your spot. And uh, and uh, I love what you're doing with the podcast. And uh, I hope we can support you guys while staying neutral. Thanks for making the effort to wear a Predator jacket today. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, here I am, free agent. <laughs> so uh, I, get to, I get to throw my loyalty to whoever I want to that day. <laughs> Sounds great, Nick. Thank right. you. I, yep, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. I get some nice compliments there. People ask some good questions. Next next time, maybe we'll schedule it in advance, guys. So it was hard. Nate tried to schedule this podcast in advance, but with all my trips, it's been hard. Uh, so it's not on Nate, it's on me. Uh, next time, we'll let you know in advance so you have time to send in your questions. On, I'll be there to, uh, to answer them. And if you want some other people from our team, some of the pros to come on the podcast name, uh, Nate, uh, that'd be good. I'd love to have Jasmine Ocean to talk to you about the woman pro pool and, and Kelly Fisher. And um, <coughs> that'd be pretty cool. So keep up the good work. Um, again, uh, love what you do, do what you love. We're pool players. We love the game. When people tell you, I don't know, you can do it. I'm the proof that you can. Uh, and uh, don't listen to them because people are just jealous and push and push and make uh, whatever you're envisioning on your dream happen. Absolutely. Have fun doing it. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you. uh, Actually, we're going to be on uh, just a couple minutes again, about a half hour or so. We're going to do the weekly show. So hang around. You're going to get two podcasts today. How lucky are you all? All right. Thanks, Karim, again. And uh, we'll be talking soon. Cheers.